You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. Over the past few months, there's been a major construction going on along the Avenue of Fashion on Livernois in Detroit. It's caused major issues with pedestrians and business owners. In fact, Cuzzo's has closed for the summer as a result. Uh, my, guests, my guests today are Jer Stays and his illustrious crew from uh, Daily Detroit Podcast, and hopefully we'll be joined later by Cassandra Spratling, the former journalist at the Detroit Free Press. Um, and so I just wanted to open it up with you guys. Um, first of all, tell us about your podcast um, and then talk a little bit about what you think about this whole issue of the construction going on in Livernois and what you found, you know, um, in your reporting and all of that stuff. Yeah, we were uh, early on the scene around this, even from the initial announcement from the mayor over there on Livernois. And to give people kind of an idea, kind of starts a little bit uh, south of Seven Mile and runs all the way up to Eight Mile, this construction. And what we were covering it on is Daily Detroit. So Daily Detroit shares what to know and where to go in Metro Detroit as basically your daily you know, news podcast that will catch you up with your community in about 15 to 20 minutes a day. Okay. And yeah, we feature uh, interviews uh, n- with newsmakers, uh, news headlines and analysis uh, you know, on our show. So – and you know, Jer, uh, importantly too, up until just a few weeks ago, uh, our, our – Unofficial headquarters was over there in the university district, you know, right a few blocks off of Livernois. Oh, yeah. So that was that was like our our you know stomping ground over there. That was where we would go to get coffee over at the Narrow Way, you know, maybe uh, pick up some pastries at the at the Good Cakes and Bakes. Yeah, I've been a resident of the university district for quite a while. Or so get lunch at uh, Bucharest over there or something. Oh yeah, there, and there's so many great options to go. And so it's been really interesting watching this and watching the differences between this major construction project and then what we saw in Midtown with the queue line. So. We actually had uh, Pastor Jonathan Meridon. He runs the Narrowway Cafe. He's also uh, an associate pastor or I believe pastor at Straight Gate Church. But I think he is – his main base is uh, out in the suburban one. But he's down here in the city every day with his coffee shop. And one of the things he really shared was is that there there just wasn't the communication early on from the administration to the businesses going on. And I, and I sit in an interesting spot because when the queue line went in, I lived in Midtown. And when this is happening, I lived in University District. So I was right next to both of these situations. So basically all of the construction is following you. Right. Yeah. So wherever I move next, so I'm in the north end now, so y'all watch out. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so north end is going to get built next. Yep. Just follow that me. Would, that, that would be a good You heard it here first. Yeah. Well, I lived in North Corktown and look at it now. I okay. lived in North Corktown before Midtown. So there right. you go. Right. Right. And so as someone who was a resident of the University District, I mean what what does that – mean for these residents over there? I mean because they have – from my view, they have torn up completely Livernois. Oh, yeah. Um, and so how much – not only is it an inconvenience for businesses and I'll get to them in a second. But what does it mean for residents? Because unless you're trying to drive down 7 Mile, unless you're trying to drive down 8 Mile, there's no pass-through uh, north or south 
on Livernois. Especially because so. of how the neighborhood's laid out, right? Because if you think about where University District is, it's just south of uh, Palmer Park and all – you know, or, It's uh, just west of Palmer Park. West of Palmer Park, yeah, south of right. Sherwood Forest and all of that. The, the thing is is that there aren't many streets that go north-south in that area. You basically have Livernois or you have to go all the way east to Woodward. And so what it ends up happening from a car perspective is that if you're trying to go north, your your time is – you're definitely – Inconvenience, and the thing is, is that what's kind of disheartening about all of this is that a lot of these businesses along Livernois, they have stuck it out, and they serve people who live there. You know, Bagley University District, um, Palmer Woods, all that stuff. These Sherwood are areas Forest. of the Sherwood Forest. All these areas are among the, frankly, the highest income census tracts in the city, and they're full of Detroit residents who need services. And Livernois has grown up, kind of. You know, supporting those, you know, Livernois, the Avenue of Fashion didn't see the complete cratering that other shopping districts did because of those residents up there, right there uh, in, in the area. Well, it's right. seen a lot of uh, new businesses opening in recent years, too. And, and you know, that's set to continue. Uh, it, this this construction project is no question been very disruptive. I mean, I think traffic's down to like one lane in, in both directions and it's very slow because you've got, you know, construction uh, workers and, and operating heavy equipment on, on either side of you and everything. So it's very disruptive and, and you know, you fear that some of these new businesses that have opened up in recent years and, and some of the longtime businesses as well, you know, you worry whether they're going to be able to survive this disruption. But let's also, I mean, let's also remember that uh, Pastor Merritt was very um, optimistic about what they're doing. I mean, he's supportive of, of what they're trying to do on the Livernois Avenue of now, Fashion. One of the things you, you mentioned a very interesting point because you, you talked about it moving down to one lane and ultimately it's going to be one lane. It's it's going to change from – Livernois is going to change from being a two-lane uh, street in both ways to one lane. What is that going to mean for traffic? I mean because that was a highly usage area to begin with and so now you are um, widening the area for uh, – for bikers, yeah. which is which is fine, but what you what you have done instead is you you are cutting down uh, the uh, the traffic air space into one lane. Right. Well, I think what they're deliberately trying to do is to calm traffic. You know, it's it's uh, they call it road diet. You know, put put Livernois on a road diet, and it's similar to. And I think we've even said this. It's on our show on Daily Detroit that it's similar to what they did in downtown Ferndale way back in the 90s. Um, you know, I remember talking with the, the, the former city manager a long time ago in Ferndale about what they did there. And, you know, he described nine mile through downtown Ferndale used to be four lanes, two lanes in each direction. Right. right? People drove at pretty relatively high speeds through there. All of the – he described that all of the businesses lining nine mile – Closed, like kept their front doors locked and made everybody enter through the rear doors, like back in the where the municipal parking lots were, right? What they did was they put Nine Mile on a road diet, you know, to use a wonky term. They basically, you know, narrowed it to one lane in each direction, built out the curbs, built broader sidewalks, more space for public seating, landscapings, the same sorts of things they're doing on Livernois. And that encouraged traffic to slow down. So traffic now moves very slowly through that downtown. Uh, Ferndale because, you know, you've got people crossing the street, people walking around. There's just not much room to, to go fast. There's also a light uh, through the downtown there. 
and uh, it encouraged more people to to walk around, and it it, it got all the businesses, and this was very much their goal to uh, unlock their front doors. So you could go through the front doors, you could still use the back doors if you wanted, but it's more now a conventional downtown where you've got you know front doors open and appealing storefronts. This has been pretty consistent. I know that he just recently uh, left the office, but this has been a pretty consistent pattern with Maurice Cox with with planning with the city of Detroit. There has been in some areas, not all, but in some areas of the city, a deliberate choice of people and pedestrians over cars. And the idea behind that long term, and this has happened across the country, is that that will increase property values, that will increase uh, viability for the businesses once they get there, that it will draw more people to the neighborhood because tastes in a lot of ways have changed. Mm -hmm. When a lot of Detroit was laid out, it was in the age of the car. And now that layout is – uh, frankly, for uh, attracting residents become antiquated. And they've seen that that play out in various areas of the city. And it's consistent. If you look at Corktown, if you look at Midtown, if you look at Lafayette Park, it's all doing the same thing and the same pattern plays out. But is Detroit really going to ever get away from being a car city um, where we are not dependent upon um, – Cars. I mean, you see the Q line. Um, the Q line is only going to be where it is. Um, it was supposed to be, or it was intended, sort of, to be the catalyst for mass transit. And you you see that 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 is dead on arrival. Um, and so, I get where you know when when you're a part of the world, you have to be, or if you want to be progress and be like other cities, you have to do things like other cities. However. You've got a city like Detroit that is heavily dependent upon cars. Yeah, and I think so, I think overall Detroit will always remain like a car city, and actually a car region. I would and, say and that. How, yeah. do you, how do you balance it too? But I think I well, think, I think, think you have to think about it in terms of, and I think you know, I'm I'm not reinventing any wheels here. I think Mayor Duggan has has talked uh, pretty clearly about this about the, his idea of the 20 minute neighborhoods. You know, you want to create these neighborhoods where. Uh, you can get anything you need. You know, you need to go out and get a jug of milk. You need to go buy a bag of groceries. You need, you want to go get a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza, whatever. Uh, within 20 minutes by walking out your door or riding your bike or something like that. So I think, I mean, if you think about like a city like, um, I always think of Los Angeles, right? That's another town that, that's a big sprawling city, very car dependent. People there, you know, car culture is huge. People love their automobiles there. Uh, Far worse traffic than we even have here in Detroit, too, for that matter. But but yet it's still made up of a lot of smaller cities where you have like these, you know, kind of neighborhood retail areas, downtowns too, but but also just kind of like these neighborhood retail areas sure. like the Avenue of Fashion, where it's very vibrant. There's a lot of foot traffic, and they make it easy for you for you know multiple uses, basically. Oh, and if you think about it long term for the city, and this is maybe where it goes into a bigger picture, right? The the city is still having a lot of financial issues as we know. Although there have been better budgets as of late, we all know that we're still kind of outrunning bankruptcy. If you look at the data, we actually had the, a reporter from Bridge on looking at the data of where homes are actually being bought in the city of Detroit. They're only in a few neighborhoods and that would be university district. That would be like the Boston Edison's. That would be downtown. That would be all the places that are walkable are where people are buying homes. So if you look at that from a, 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 a city growth perspective, a growing the coffers perspective as far as tax revenue, new residents, residential tax revenue, that is clearly the 
the pattern and that's where people are choosing. So I feel like that's the the alignment there. I think also as a region, as things change, as Detroit becomes more economically powerful, I think it's going to offer different things because here's the deal. Troy, or Detroit is never going to outdo Sterling Heights or Troy at being the suburbs. If you want a truly car walkable lifestyle with low taxes and great schools, you can just move to the suburbs. What can Detroit offer that other areas can't to be competitive, right? The urban fabric, diversity, um, uh, community connections, walkability, all those things that are built into the street grid of Detroit. So you, you kind of think of it as like – in order for Detroit to be viable going forward, it's got to do something because if you want just like a cookie cutter suburban house, people and people have been. They have been moving to the suburbs. Sure, absolutely. But and what's missing in all of this, and then I'll move on to the the you know other question I want to get to you sure. is you know in order to be able to have these walkable communities, you also have to have safe communities, and that is the missing piece in in all of. In all of this entire equation is that right now you have a city that is – we're denying that there's a major crime problem. You have a mayor and you have a police chief who who is not vigilant on dealing with the crime issue. And if you don't deal with the crime issue, um, you're definitely uh, not going to have – you will still have walkable places to go, but people will be scared to walk – Sure, but you know, there's also there have also been studies uh, that I've read that say, um, like something as simple as planting trees is actually really good, a really good tool for increasing safety in urban neighborhoods. I mean, it seems counter. I I don't know, like it's it seems like overly simplistic, but but they have found that. Yeah, absolutely. And and boosting foot foot traffic in neighborhoods um, will absolutely help to boost safety. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I, uh, I always look at um, Brooklyn, for example. I lived in Brooklyn back in like the mid-90s when it sure. was very different than it is today. In fact, I was recently in my old neighborhood earlier this year and it's like night and day. It's, it's crazy because what it used to be like in my neighborhood in Brooklyn was after five o'clock, it's like they rolled up the sidewalks and it was deserted. And that is a terrible – kind of environment to be in, to walk around in, in a city when it's dark oh, out a- and there's nobody around. Like you are going to find trouble. And I did frequently. Nowadays, the same neighborhood is filled with people. Sure. And I would wager to guess that it's far, far safer. Sure. And and just, I'm sorry, just for a point of reference, you mentioned trees. That's one of the things that they're taking out of the, the median uh, in Livernois is all of the uh, trees and all of the the aesthetics right. that w- that was in the middle of Livernois. It's, it, it appears, it appears right now, at least from my eyes right now, that it's going to be all concrete. Well, no, it's they are. But are they going to put? Are they planning on putting that stuff back in? They are. Uh, okay. And I was I drove That's through fair. there just uh, the other day, as a matter of fact, and I noticed that they've taken some of the trees out along the sidewalks too. Um, you know, in front of the storefronts, and sure. it, it looks very bleak right now. It's it's very harsh. But yes, right. they do have plans to add a lot of landscaping along the bike lanes and everything like that. So that's that's definitely part of the plan. Okay. And I, I kind of want to circle back to the, the safety question too because as somebody who's lived in multiple Detroit neighborhoods over the years and over the last 20 years, I don't think we can underestimate the impact that community groups do in these neighborhoods. University District 
and the areas north of it, Bagley, all that other stuff, would not be where they're at but for the UDCA that's there. Sure. But for the private security that's up there north of Seven Mile, um, just east of uh, Livernois. And, and, and other areas there that are, there are private security patrols. You know, when I lived in the university district, if you texted and you're a member of the UDCA, someone will come and walk you to your car. Yes. Okay. And that's been there for a long time. That's part of why it's been able to persist. I don't think we can uh, deny that the individual like Wayne State Police's impact, right? Wayne State Police cops get paid more. They have higher uh, uh, qualifications that they have to, to to meet in order to become Wayne State cops. There are more – it feels like there's more cops per square mile. Like we can't – it proves your point absolutely that it's about – it's about safety and then it makes you wonder, OK, if that's what we have to do there, why doesn't the city look at those models and say, look, it works and it, it works in Midtown, right? Safety. It is safe in Midtown for the most part. Like you are – you walk around there and I, I used to walk my dog there all the time at night. I, I still do in North End. I'm not worried about that either. But like uh, what do you – why don't we use that as a gold standard? Why don't we find a way to pay the cops what we pay them at Wayne State so that they feel secure – to be able to do their jobs and not have to take second jobs to do things. Why don't we look at the UDCA model, which is a very inclusive model that's actually, you know, UDCA, I mean, university district is lots of people who lived in the city for a very long time. Why don't we look at that as a security model, an inclusive security model, as opposed to what some of the things that we see now? Okay. Um, in terms of the businesses, um, how much of a hit have they taken this summer? Um, given that they have tried to take on this project all at once, if my memory serves me correctly, when they did when they initially did the project, it was done over a two or a three year basis or or time frame, um, and they're trying to rip out and do this this thing all at once, um, and so so I think it's having more of an impact on businesses than it had in the past. Talk to me a little bit about that. The statistic that I was told from multiple folks was the impact has been twice as worse than city officials anticipated. And so I believe Pastor Merritt's down 40 percent, something along those lines, uh, 45 percent um, over there at Narrowway. I think that's similar for some other places. You talked about Cuzzo's. I think business being off. By yeah, 40, business yeah. being off by that much. Uh, I know that people have been rallying around them and others. There's been stuff on social media, but there still needs to be a lot, a lot more. And then you look at Cuzzo's where they basically said, we, we want to do a remodel. We're just going to like pack it up and do do a remodel while this whole thing is going. Well, and Jerry, anecdotally, you said that your inbox has been getting flooded recently with, you know, pitches from some of the local businesses mm -hmm. owners over there to like, hey, can you help us out somehow? Because we're dying over here, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something where people want more attention over there. And I'm glad that, you know, you're spending some time on it because it's a beautiful corner of the city that I think people forget is has been been here the whole time. And I think it's important we uh, support these places in the city. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of the more stable neighborhoods in yeah. several neighborhoods in Detroit. I mean, I mean, my mother has lived there 40 plus years. Um, my brother lives around the corner in Sherwood Forest. So I'm, you know, clearly I'm very familiar uh, with the area and, and the issues that go on there. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, there are a lot of beautiful neighborhoods surrounding the, the avenue of fashion over there, like with some just incredible homes like they don't build anymore, you know. Um, I, I, one of the tragedies, we haven't mentioned this, is that uh, this all comes, you know, I don't know, 10 years, maybe not even 10 years after they put that median in on Livernight right. under Kwame Kilpatrick yeah. when he was mayor. Right. Um, you know, and a lot of people complained about that. 
And, uh, you know, so they're, they're undoing a lot of work that they already did. I mean, the longtime business owners over there already had to deal with that disruption when they were installing the median. That proved unpopular and they're redoing it. Hopefully, though, I think this will be, you know, more of a long-term change that um, I, I feel optimistic about it too. I mean, I share Pastor Merritt's optimism. I think it's going to be good for the Avenue of Fashion. But, but it's the in-between time. Okay. Cassandra? Hi. Hi, Darren. I'm so sorry. I had the That's okay. time messed up. That's okay. I, am, I apologize. That's okay. We're in a conversation. We've got uh, a couple other folks uh, in the studio, and we're talk- we were just talking about it, and so we can work you in right now. Great, great, great. Yeah, so um, I, I've lived yes. over here for, uh, gosh, it's actually 32 years. I can't believe sure. it. Um, I've lived in this neighborhood for 32 years, and I absolutely love the area. But I have to say that it's been a real challenge um, to continue to support the businesses up on Livernoy, although I really, um, like a lot of neighbors, made an effort to do so, um, particularly um, going up to Narrow Way and Good Cakes and Bakes and um, and and other events, just to make sure that you know that those businesses get some support. Okay, and and for those who are just joining the podcast in the middle of it, this is Cassandra Spratling, the illustrious journalist from uh, formerly of the Detroit Free Press, and we are talking to her about uh, the same issues that we've been talking about before and. And so we wanted to make that introduction as well. Um, did you envision such a, a huge overhaul um, when this started? I mean, because we were just in a conversation talking about when uh, it was done before, maybe 10, 11 years ago, it was done in phases. So it didn't hit businesses and it didn't hit residents as hard. And this has been done um, simultaneously. Um, and so what do you really think about this entire project that way? Well, I, I certainly did not expect it to be um, as huge a project as it was. And I think that like a lot of neighbors, really, a, a lot of neighbors didn't like the median to begin with. And I'm one of them. I didn't see what the point of the median was. Um, they said it was to slow down traffic, but I think it just further frustrated traffic. Um, both pedestrians and um, and and drivers, um, but the current um, construction it it it's huge. Even I mean, there are little things that you don't even think about that that are frustrating. Today, for example, I needed to go to the post office. Um, you know, there's a post office, the College Park Post Office, right on Livernois near Eight Mile. And I had to think about how do I get to the post office? And, and, you know, fortunately, there was an entrance to the post office, but getting in there was difficult because there was a huge um, truck that for it, you know, because it was going back and forth was kind of blocking the uh, even the entrance into the, the, the parking lot for the post office. And it's, uh, as I was going in, into the parking lot. Once I finally got out of my car, there were two people coming out of the out of the um, post office who were just furious about the um, hassle that they had getting in and out of the post office. Um, 
So it's it's just been difficult. Um, another um, experience I had, I mentioned that I like to go to uh, near away the coffee shop there. And um, the other day when I was sitting there, you know, they have open windows. Um, basically, it's a wall that, that opens up so you get fresh air. And as um, I was sitting there, the one of the workers had to rush outside to close the window because the construction truck was going by and was, um, I guess he was laying down concrete or something, but it, w- it caused a lot of d- debris to blow into the coffee shop and onto customers who were like sitting on the window um, bench right outside. Um, Fortunately, you know, they were very cool about it. I mean, the the customers, they didn't leave or anything, but it was just a a bit annoying, really. Right. And so talk to me about, you talked about um, going to the coffee shop. I mean, how difficult has it been trying to get there? Like you said, getting to uh, the post office today, which is just on a side note across the street from Burt's, or I'm sorry, Baker's. Baker's. Baker, See, Baker's, see right, right. I'm getting my east side. Yeah. I'm getting my east side and west side mixed up already. You got me. <laughs> all right, you got you me. Got good you, music at both places. But you got me flustered, Cassandra. That's all that is. <laughs> good um, music at both places. But but um, but I'll what does this you, mean I, for businesses? In terms of getting uh, into to near away, it's fortunately it's not that far from Mike's Market, which is you know the a very right, nice yes. grocery store there. So he has a big parking lot. So um, I've I've done it two ways. One, I've either parked at Mike's Market and walked to Nailway, or um, I've asked my husband or my daughter to drop me off because um, certainly parking on Livernois is not an option. Right. Um, and uh, a couple of times I've actually um, biked up there, but even biking is a little difficult in terms of figuring out where you can cross. I would just add um, that, uh, I, you know, as a, as a, uh, you know, frequent patron of Narrowway, I usually park on one of the residential side streets because the added bonus of that mm-hmm. is, uh, you don't have to pay the meters. Ah, that is true. That is very true. Although, wait a minute, during the construction, there are no meters. Oh, that's true. Um, that's true right as now. well, but I don't think there's any parking so, on Livernoy right now, right? Right. Um, you can't park on Livernoy, but, yeah, it, um, there there are a few places that normally would have meters um, that there are no meters. So that that actually is a good thing. Yeah. And what yeah. are what are businesses telling you in terms of uh, how much of a hit they're taking? In terms of um, because it takes an effort for people like you to go to these businesses to to patronize these businesses. What kind of hit um, are they taking financially, and will all will some of them not survive this crisis? Because I think that is some of the concern with some people in the in the area or in the neighborhood is that or in the neighborhoods is that. Um, they're not going to be able to survive and they're going to have to close and then another business will go into that place. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good question. I, um, from the, the business owners I've talked to said that they're doing okay. They're, you know, certainly they're, they've taken 
something somewhat of a hit. I don't know exactly how much that would be more of a question for one of them. But I worry more about the new businesses that are opening on Livernois. Um, it's um, the places that are established that have a good customer base already. I think that people are going to support them because they know them already. People know know um, Cuzzles, although Cuzzles closed for remodeling during this time. We know Good Cakes and Bakes. We know um, Nero Way. We know the um, art um, galleries on um, Livernois and the the um, the salons on Livernois. If you have a, a hairdresser or a manicure who so you've been going to a while, you're going to continue to support those businesses. I worry about these new businesses that are opening up and they don't even have a customer base yet. If you don't already have a customer base and you're opening, I've, I've actually been very surprised at the um, at, at notices I've been seeing about businesses that are opening in the middle of this. How do you survive? Yes, 313. Um, when, yes, um, 313, there's a new um, restaurant that's opening up. Um, I, be, I believe it's called Good Times. Um, there's a, a, I mean, how do you do that? I, um, I, I wish those businesses well, um, and I hope that, that there's a real effort once they do, um, once all of this construction is done, and hopefully it looks as beautiful as planned, I, I hope that they're, that they're able to survive. Okay. Well, uh, as we wrap up, I just want to get your final thoughts. Everyone on the panel uh, today, um, let me get your thoughts about everything that we've talked about and discuss anything that you may have lift, missed, left off that uh, you want to add to the conversation. Sure, I'll go first. Um, I, I mean, I you know I share Cassandra's uh, concerns about the uh, existing businesses and especially the the new businesses that are just you know about to launch there on Livernois. It's going to be tough. This is a tough time for them, no doubt. Um, but I do feel optimistic that um, I've seen the renderings and and have read you know about what they're doing there. I think the bike lanes are going to be a real positive. I think the streetscape improvements are going to be really nice. I think that it's going to really add to the uh, allure of that commercial district, uh, hopefully build up a lot of foot traffic and a lot of interest um, that, you know, will ultimately help the businesses, um, you know, so long as they can all survive. Yeah, I, I look forward to the idea that Livernois can be a destination like many other places in the city and get people to really experience more uh, facets of the city. But this rollout could have gone a lot better. Okay. Cassandra? I, I absolutely agree. Um, but I, I, I do also want to give the city or whoever's ideal it was. There, I don't know if you talked about this already, and I apologize if you did, but there are now shuttles that go through the neighborhoods to, um, to take people um, to Livernois. So I think that that's a good idea. And whatever can be done to... Um, to support and promote those businesses. It, it just needs to be done because we need those businesses. They are our neighbors and they're good people and we want to um, we want them to be around and of course we want the new businesses to be successful and I also agree that you know if those um, once once it's done it's going to be really beautiful and I hope that um, 
that people do um, support it. But the rollout definitely could have been a lot better. Well, that sounds great. Well, thank everybody for uh, being on the panel, and uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we definitely will continue this conversation uh, in the upcoming months and as this rolls to completion. So um, for another edition of Beyond the Headlines, we're going to sign off. As we leave Beyond the Headlines this week, I want to give you, as we always do, an inspirational quote that you can ponder this week. This one is from Dr. Benjamin E. Mays, the former president of Morehouse College. It must be borne in mind that the tragedy of life does not lie in reaching your goal. The tragedy of life lies in having no goal to reach. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines. 